I told you you're going to be experiencing some messages that go right along with uh, our study in the Sunday school hour uh, as we're walking through the Word of God, uh, especially here foundational things, things that I won't have time to really deal with in the Sunday school hour, but are very, very important. And uh, so we just finished up really chapter number two today. We finished up that formation period when God created the world and everything that was in it. It was all very good. Uh, We addressed some things from chapter number two today, but didn't really dig into it. What I would like to point to this morning is this is, uh, we just had our Marriage Matters Conference this weekend, and uh, this is February, and you know, we kind of look at and think about love and, and all that, but it's fitting right with what we're studying as well. So look down in Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 18, down through verse number 25, I want to preach to you this morning on the precious gift of marriage, the precious gift of marriage. In Genesis 2, chapter 18, he says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helpmeet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all the cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. For Adam there was not found a helpmeet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he woman, and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. There's a lot of things that could be taught from these verses here. We're going to look specifically with regards to the precious gift of marriage. Beloved, I want you to know that marriage in the family... Uh, has become a painful and unfulfilling drudgery for most people. That is sad. It's not the way God designed it. It's not what God planned, but it, it is the brunt of so many jokes. The fact of the matter is, is uh, uh, the English war hero Marshall Montgomery said, Gentlemen, don't even think about marriage until you have mastered the art of war. That is the mindset of most people with regards to marriage. And it should not be. It doesn't have to be that way. One uh, source that I read said that the divorce rate in the United States has increased over 700% in the last century. Over 700%. Beloved, there are over 1 million children each year that are involved in divorce proceedings. I want you to know that these are very, very hurtful and uh, things that, that many times... Uh, people carry with them through their whole of their life because of that one instance of something that happened there so many years ago. Listen, uh, marriage can be fulfilling. Marriage can be exactly what you desire it to be in your heart. That's what I said over and over again at the conference. The, the marriage that you want, the one that you picture in your mind, the one that you dream about, that you think you have to go get somebody else to have, that's not the case. The case is you have to do it God's way and put in the work and you can have the marriage that you dream about, the marriage that you wish you could have. It's available to any one of us. I read a story about a gold prospector that was found, his skeleton laying bare in the desert. 
on the ground there, his clothes uh, ripped and tattered around him. Uh, he had a mule next to him. The mule was tied up to a stake, and there next to the mule were, were a bunch of saddlebags all filled with gold. And uh, he wrote a note. His passing words, all that he could say was left, and he wrote down, I died rich. <laughs> I died rich. When they opened the saddlebags, they thought, boy, he died. We get all that, he, all that he died. They opened it up and found out it was filled up with fool's gold. You see, he was living a hard life and working so hard and holding on to all that. And he didn't realize what he had was worthless. And the problem today is there are many marriages that are living their life as though their marriage is worthless. They don't realize that what they have is precious. You've bought into some Hollywood picture and some image out there and you, you watch some show and think, boy, I wish my marriage could be like that. And you think it's just going to happen because you've got a daydream about it. You think it'll happen if you uh, separate from your current spouse and just go marry somebody else. You know, everybody has problems. Every marriage has problems. Every individual has their own personal issues. There's only one match made in heaven, and that's the one in Genesis, and we're going to see that here in a few minutes, and they had problems. Every home has struggles. You have to look at God's pattern and decide you're going to build your life after the pattern and the way God said to do it. And it's, it is within your grasp and within your reach if you're willing to put in the work. And oh, how I want you to have such a happy home and to be able to rejoice and, and, and just love the marriage that God gave you. But it does take work. We want to begin today where all marriages began here in the book of Genesis with Adam and Eve. Their marriage took place in a place, in, in an environment where there was no sin. There was no divorce. There was no conflict. They didn't have any in-laws. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> uh, listen, Adam could not compare Eve's cooking to his mama's. Eve couldn't tell Adam about all her old boyfriends. Or she couldn't tell Adam, uh, listen, Dad trimmed the apple trees like this. No, no, they didn't have any of that to have to deal with, and yet still they had problems. Here in the book of Genesis, we find God's divine design for the home. I would have you see, first of all, this morning that Scripture supports marriage. This is God's plan for a husband and wife. In verse number 24, Genesis 2, 24, he says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. In Matthew 19, 4, he says, And he answered and he said unto them, Have ye not read he which has made them at the beginning, made them male and female? Before sin, before the law, before government, before church, there was the home, there was marriage, the family. Any attack on marriage is an attack on God's plan for mankind. Let me give you some principles that we learned about marriage from this passage of Scripture. 
First of all, I want you to know that marriage was designed for companionship. He says here in Genesis 2, verse number 18, read it out loud with me. Genesis 2, 18, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helpmeet for him. Beloved, marriage was designed for companionship. God, uh, you know, he designed man and uh, he gave us a brain. And if you read in the book of Genesis there, you find that uh, he said uh, that God said, hey, I, I brought all these animals to Adam and he was supposed to name them. And then after a while, he said, you know what? I think Adam figured out there's two crows, there's male and female lion, there's male and female dog, there's male and female. Where's mine? <laughs> I think Adam, God said, Adam realized and God said, you know what? It's not good for man to be alone. Man needs a companion. He needs a friend. Mankind, God designed us to be together. In Malachi chapter 2, verse number 14, he says, Yet ye say, Wherefore, because the Lord hath been witness between thee and the wife of thy youth, against whom thou hast dealt treacherously, he said, Yet is she thy companion and the wife of thy covenant. Beloved, marriage is for companionship. It's for companionship. We should be put together. Uh, God said, hey, he needs a friend. He needs, uh, the, the word in the scriptures here, a help meet. Needs a help meet. Uh, let me just say that the help meet in the scripture uh, is somebody literally means a counterpart. You know, we like to say, she's my better half. One plus one equals one in the Bible. They two became one flesh. This idea of a helpmeet is being what your husband needs. Being a helpmeet. Now, that's different for everybody. You may look at some other marriage and you may say, oh, boy, uh, she does this for him. That's what he needs. You know, my wife, she does our books for us, our, our finance stuff, you know, she keeps track of all that because she likes numbers. She enjoys crunching numbers. She likes making sure that the books are all, I mean, if there's 12 cents missing, she wants to know where it went. If there's $25 missing, I ain't worried about it. <laughs> I mean, that's close enough for me, you know. It's all good. Um, she wants to, you know, uh, somebody will give me a card and she'll ask me, she'll be like, how much money was in that card? And I said, why do you want to know? <laughs> that was money Gay gave me. <laughs> She's like, well, you want me to tithe on it, don't you? <laughs> eh, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, we need to tithe on it. So I got to tell her. I just can't keep anything from her, you know. Uh, but she does that for me. You know, for some of you, you know, my dad mentioned at the conference that he's the one that does the books in their home. But, you know, you, you figure out what works for you and you become a, a team, a companionship. You work together to fulfill the roles that God has for you. And what, you know, sometimes some of you ladies, you have to work outside the home. That's what is needed for your home and for your family. I don't know that it's the best. I think it's great if you can be there with the kids and would encourage anybody to do that if at all possible. But sometimes it's, it's not possible. 
And, and you have to do that. But listen, uh, you be what your husband needs. You be what the family needs. A, a help meet. That's God's plan. She's your counterpart. You complete her and she completes you. Beloved, you're, you're equal partners fulfilling different roles. He's not any better than you. She's not any better than, than, than you. It, it's this world wants to draw a line and say, I'm not going to be in subjection to him. He's no better than I am. That's like saying the organ is not going to be a piano. No, they're both instruments, but they serve different purposes. They, they have different roles. And to be mad about the fact that they have different roles is foolishness. You know, you, you, you work together. You have different roles. This world wants to take out uh, the separation of the sexes. Listen, man is the provider and a woman is the partner. Man should be the protector. The woman is the nurturer. Man is the head and the woman is to be the heart. Ladies, there's areas where you're far superior than your husband. Men, there's areas where you're superior than your wife. It doesn't make you better than them in any aspect. It's God-given ability for you to fulfill and do the role that God wants you to do. I'm just wondering how far to chase this rabbit. Uh, it's like... It's like Having one without the other is like having a violin without strings. It's like having macaroni without cheese. <laughs> They're just designed to go together. Okay, They're supposed to be together. That's the, way, that's the way it is. God's design and God's plan. And beloved, it's supposed to be one woman and one man. The world wants to take this and remove the sexes and the differences and say there's no difference between men and women. That's just foolishness. There is differences. It does not make one less than the other or more than the other. It's just an acknowledgement of the fact that we're different. You know, when I was a kid, this is 35 years ago, was when they really started pushing for women to be in men's sports. And the now movement was really strong. And they were pushing for women to be in men's sports. And they wanted to say, why, why can't women be in men's sports? And why can't they come and participate? And uh, Christian schools all over the place had to forfeit games because they would be playing soccer or, or even wrestling and stuff like that. And there's a woman that wanted to compete in, in the men's sports. And everybody said, what's the problem? 35 years ago, there's preachers that said there's going to come a time when they're going to do the opposite and they're going to try and put men in women's sports and then we're going to see the problem. Okay, they're different. And now, right now, we're dealing with that. Where men are trying to compete in women's sports and say that it's all the same. Beloved, we're different. Doesn't make one better than the other. It's you just fulfilling God's given role for you. And if you want to have a happy home, you're going to do it God's way. Or you can keep fighting like you've been fighting. But you can, you can yield to the Lord and do what God wants, and, and you can have a happy home. Marriage is for companionship. I want you to see, secondly, that marriage is for control. 
In Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 19, God described their forming man out of the dust of the ground. In uh, verse number 20, he says, and Adam, and, and Adam gave names to all the cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. And for Adam, there was not found a helpmeet for him. There was not a partner. There was not somebody for him to be with. Adam was an intelligent being and he knew that he was going to miss this. God designed us to have a partner. God designed us for uh, us to be able to enjoy the intimate life, okay? I want you to understand that. And I know we've got young and old in here, but marriage is given to us to help you control those urges that are God-given urges, and they're not sinful. Young men, your desire to be with a woman is natural, and it's okay. Nothing to be ashamed of. God put that inside of you. You see a young lady that's pretty, and you're like, yeah. There's, man, look at her. My goodness. I, I'm attracted to that. Praise the Lord, they're attracted to women. That's what they're supposed to be. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's okay. But can I tell you that what's wrong is when you try and seize upon the opportunity for intimate relations to have sex outside of marriage. That's wrong. Inside the bounds of marriage, it's okay. But outside of marriage, the Bible calls it fornication. The Bible says that that is sin. And it's still sin regardless of what society says. Listen, those of you that are here and you go to public schools, I understand that uh, people talk about that all the time. And that you're pushed towards that. And you're almost like you're not a man unless you're involved in it and you're, you're participating in that. You know what it takes? It takes a strong guy to stand up and say, I'm not going to do that until I'm married. Everybody else around you is going to do it. But you're the strong guy if you can stand up and say, I'm not going to do that. And they may mock and make fun of you, but I want you to know in their heart of their hearts, they're jealous of you. And they're envious of the strength that you have to do it right. You see, in, in Corinthians chapter 7, and verses 1 and 2, he says, Now concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Okay, so that's very clear. It's good for, not, for a man not to touch a woman. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 and 2, if you're writing it down. And then verse number 2, it goes directly into it. It says, Nevertheless, to avoid fornication. Okay, so he's saying to avoid fornication, to avoid the sin of being involved physically with a man or a woman, uh, the opposite gender, before marriage. He says, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife. And let every husband have her own, I mean, every woman have her own husband. Okay, that's pretty clear, isn't it? So marriage is given for control, to help you control those desires so that you can put them inside. Now, it helps, but how many of you married men know that you still have to be careful? You still have to watch these eyes right here. You still have to be careful what Satan and the devil puts in front of you and in this lewd uh, world that's out here and what's going on. You've got to guard your, your eyes. You've got to be careful what you think about so that you can remain clean and pure. But it, it helps. It helps. I can tell you, to be, if I can just be brutally honest with you, and 
When I was a young man, I thought, man, I can't wait till I get married and I can stop having all these urges. I can stop having all this, this, these desires. And, and, you know, I was working at Walmart in, in, in Valparaiso, Indiana in college. And that's Valpo University's right there. And all these college girls coming in there half-dressed and, you know, they were attractive. And I'm like, man, I can't wait till I get married and I can stop having all these desires. Men, when you get married, does it go away? No, but it helps. But you have to control your mind. You have to control your desires and still do what's right. Because sin is still sin. It's still there. So it, hel- it helps. It's designed for control. So let's move on. Marriage is for cleaving as well. It's for cleaving. We see the leave and cleave principle given to us in verse number 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. That verse is echoed in Ephesians 5.31. If you're keeping notes, not going to read it. But uh, listen, this means you're supposed to leave your family and cleave to your mate. There's supposed to be a definitive line. When I was talking to Stephen about marrying uh Alicia and Alicia, you can back out all the way until the very end, right at, right at the end. I mean, okay, if you're standing right here, uh, when I was getting married, dad is the one that performed the ceremony, and we're standing back there in the aisle and, and uh, the room that we were in. We're supposed to come out, and Mary doesn't even know this. Uh, never even told her until right now. <laughs> we're standing back there, and dad looks at me, and he says, son, are you 100% sure? If you're not, we can stop this right now. And uh, I said, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I knew at that point what I was supposed to do. There wasn't a question in my mind, but where was I going with this? <laughs> oh, the leave and cleave, the leave and cleave principle. You're establishing your own home. And what I was talking to Stephen is I, I said, listen, I would love for Alicia to be around here. But the fact of the matter is, is what I want as a father for her doesn't matter. Because you are starting your own home. You're starting your own home and and you are leaving your parents and she is leaving hers. You're establishing your own home and you have to determine what God's will is and you do what God wants. You, You can't, I mean, you can pray and talk about and get advice from people you respect and mom and dad will be somebody you respect, hopefully. But you do what God wants because you're supposed to leave and cleave. Listen, that means, young lady, that you're not calling mom every weekend. You're not calling back and talking to mom about all the situations going on. When we got married, I told Alicia, or told Alicia. (laughs) Alicia wasn't born yet. I I told Mary, I said, you're not calling your mom and talking about this stuff. What happens in our home happens in our home. And we'll talk about it. You're not going to call home. And talk to, talk to mom and explain this. The, you see, the problem is, is, is you want your mom to respect your husband, but you've been knocking him down for three or four or five years and tearing him up and telling every bad thing he ever did, and your mom hates your husband. And that's your fault. Engage the brain. Sometimes your husband's going to do some stupid stuff. But don't go blabbing it to the whole world. 
because later he's going to apologize and buy you a dozen roses and give you some chocolates and get on his knees and say, how can I repent? What can I do for you? I love you. We want, and, and you're going to forgive him and you're going to say, oh, I love him. But now your mom is mad at him. And she's not going to forgive him. That's what the leave and cleave principle is. You leave the family and you let that go. Mom and dad, parents meddling doesn't help. And you got to, it's a hard thing. But mom and dad, you got to leave your nose out of their business. My sister Melissa, you guys know her? She says, get your business out of my nose. (laughs) (laughs) To this day, she still says that. She gets frustrated and, and she's like, Get your business out of my nose. <laughs> and uh, yeah, mom and dad, get your business out of their nose. It's, not, it's, their, it's their home. Leave and cleave. She is, it's, it's a family. I mean, you establish your own home. We could give you more. We're going to move on. Marriage is for continuation. Genesis 1 and verse number 28 there. Genesis 1 and 28. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth. It's not just about the physical needs. It's not just about companionship for intimate contact. It is about the continuation of the human race. It's God's design. This is another reason that same-sex marriage is ludicrous. You cannot have children. Now, I throw that out to make sure, that because there's a lot of people that are afraid to say anything about that stuff today, and I want you to know that the Word of God is against it. And that is what the Bible says. But the message this morning is not for that. I don't think there's people in here that are dealing with that. I want you to know that truth, the biblical truth, but the message, don't... don't Hang, hang, get hung up on that. The message is about our, our homes, our relationships, husbands and wives, and the truths regarding that. It's for continuation. There is a philosophy and a mindset that's very prevalent today where ladies are having operations so that they cannot have kids because they want to have a career. That's not biblical. Now, I believe in family planning. I think you ought to use some wisdom, non-destructive family planning. Abortion is murder. That's not family planning. That's killing a child after the fact. Family planning is being careful. I'm not going to go any further down that, but if you need some help with that, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> you, you can come to me later. I'll talk to you about it personally. There's, there's obviously, there's many ways to, to plan and, and be careful that you don't, you know, Mary and I, we had uh, several years of, uh, it was just us, uh, where we waited, you know. I don't know that it's smart to have a honeymoon baby and put that burden on your relationship right off. And, and you know what? If you're making 22000 a year, you probably shouldn't have 10 or 12 kids, okay? It's just, you're not in a place to be able to take care of them if you don't have the capacity as a man or a woman to be a, a God-fearing, God-honoring parent, listen, your, your responsibility is not just to have them, it's to raise them. Train up a child in the way he should go. In the nurture and admonition of the Lord. This thing of mom and dad checking out is ungodly. 
You had them. They're your responsibility. And children are a 24-hour-a-day, seven days a week, 365-day-a-year responsibility. It doesn't go away. You're going to have them. You're committing to raise them. So what I'm saying, if you can't handle it, don't keep having them. That's just common sense. If you're going to mess up two, don't have five. Okay? Does that make sense? Use, use some wisdom. Listen, if you have the capacity, some people are very gifted and they can, you know, they can manage and handle a bunch of kids and raise them and honor God and the kids, are, you know, praise the Lord. But ask God to give you some wisdom and help you. But I want you to know the biblical principle here, God tells us, is it's for continuation of the human race. Um, that's point number one. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to bring it to a close uh, there's so many benefits for society uh, that marriage, marriage does for society that you, you look at anything historically through society and, and you'll see when the home and the family starts to be torn apart, the society goes down. Just look at any type of history, be a, be a student of history and you can see and learn that and it's happening right now in America. The family, the home, this is vitally important. It has far more greater reaching implications than just your happiness. Oh, I know that your happiness is what you're consumed of, and that's what's most important to you, but I want you to know the implications are far greater than that. I want you to know you can have a happy home. There's people in this room that enjoy it, that marriage for them is, is, a, is a retreat. It's, it's a... It's the most fulfilling, satisfying part of life. And I think that's what it's supposed to be. It's sad, beloved, that so many today, marriage is, and the home is about the hardest thing they deal with. Beloved, it doesn't have to be that way. That's why we have the marriage conference, to try and just give some things, to try and help you to do that. This world has a messed up philosophy when it comes to marriage. You can't be getting your advice from the world. Get it from the Word of God. Get it from godly people that are going to give you godly advice. And uh, it's possible. And listen, I, I don't think I was getting on to anybody today. I was just giving you biblical truth. But sometimes the biblical truth can be a little bit uh, hard. I think I was kind compared to my father. <laughs> I told the men when the men's session, you know, we got done, and I said, yeah, he's 77 years old. He don't care what you think. <laughs> Dad said some stuff in the men's session. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I'll be shocked if any of these guys come back. Oh, wow. But, uh, you know, we want to be tactful. We want to be careful what we say. But the Word of God has the answer. And we need the truth of the Word of God, and our lives should be shaped by the Word, not the other way around. And uh, listen, marriage is a gift. It is a joy. It is so much fun. The happiest part of my day is the time I spend with Mary. 
And I want that for all of you. And I know right now there's some in here, you're heartbroken. Heartbroken because of the struggle that you're dealing with. All I could do is implore you to turn to God and start the process of bringing some healing and let God bring your marriage where it needs to be. It is possible, but it does take work.